podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. After a disappointing North London Derby Day defeat and Spurs crashing out of the Europa League, Spurs captain Hugh Willerese has spoken about the divide in the dressing room and how the club lacks the basics and the fundamentals. But next off for Spurs, it is a trip to Villa Park in the Premier League. And today I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast to discuss everything we need to know about Aston Villa and probably the team that are going to beat us next. I'm Matt Hayes and you're listening to the Tottenham Fanboys podcast. Hello and welcome back to Matt Hayes Tottenham blog and to another episode of the Tottenham Fan Voice podcast. For those listening on audio podcast platforms, please make sure to hit that follow button. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to smash that subscribe button as well for Tottenham watch alongs, match previews, reviews and any type of Spurs content you could want. And look, we've said everything there is to say about that defeat against Zagreb last night, but let's look forward. Let's look to the game against Villa on Sunday. And Neil, I'm delighted to have you joining me today. How are you getting on? I'm doing well, Matt. Thank you so much. Thanks for inviting me on. It's an absolute pleasure having you on, and as always, good to get the, the insight of an opposition fan. And look, I suppose let's just, let's just dive straight into things, and the big question Spurs fans will want to know the answer to is, will Jack Grealish be fit? I'm not telling you. Why would I tell you? If I, if I tell you, it'll be all over the internet, Matt. I know, you've had, you, you've had some really big guests out here. You're just waiting to sell my, sell my story. No, I'm only joking. Oh, you're on to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I suppose the biggest thing here is, look, we just had a press conference from Dean Smith this morning at about 11 o'clock. Uh, he was pretty coy himself. He said that, that Grealish is running pain-free. He is running, um, he, he hasn't, they, they say he hasn't been back in training yet. Nobody knows. They've kept it very much under under wraps. And um, this is something I think that Smith likes to do, to create in, intrigue around our best player. Let's call a spade a spade here. He is our best player. He's our catalyst. He is our captain. He is our talisman. He is our pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, really, you know. Um, so he, if, if you were to ask me as, as a Villa fan, I would be hopeful. That he's I'd be more than hopeful that he's going to be that he's going to play a Sunday. But Smith is playing the long game, the Kai game, by saying it'll be a Sunday decision, and um, that he is very hopeful. He actually did say himself that he's hopeful that he would be he would be there on on, on Sunday. But who knows? Um, this is kind of like something Smith likes to do with Grealish because while the internet was abound with rumors that Grealish was going to be out against Leicester when he was first out with this shin injury um it didn't actually realistically break until until the teams were were announced now we know since then that some players had transferred him out of their team in fantasy football and apparently some coaches had, did it and everything and there was a lot of knuckles wrapped and slapped and everything like that in around villa park and bodymore heat um after that but um i think this uh, i think that smith is it's it's his 50th birthday today as well and i think maybe the fact that he he did look as slightly uncomfortable i think when people were wishing him happy birthday today he wanted to kind of deflect all the attention from himself and he created the mystery mysterious nature around um will he want he with jack Grealish? but uh look we want him to play i'm sure you guys would be delighted if he was out but uh it's it's all up in the air and no one really knows at this stage but i would say it's trending towards him at least having some involvement against spurs on, on sunday yeah, well, look, knowing knowing Tottenham's luck, it always seems to be the opposition team get their biggest boost or whatever it is before the game starts. Or their keeper is always on flying form, or their striker who hasn't scored for a year will score against Spurs. It's just typical. I'm as a Spurs fan, I'm sure we're all in the same boat, um, expecting Jack Grealish to, to play in that game on Sunday. And look, there's no hiding, as you said, he is the best player at Villa. And I know Villa fans 
you know, kind of hate the idea that uh, of opposition fans calling you a one-man team, and I, I don't believe that's true because there's a lot of quality in that side, right, right from the back to the front. And yes, Jack Grealish is a pivotal part of, of what you do try and do, and um, that a lot of the tactics are kind of based around him. I know you mentioned when I was on your uh, podcast that a lot of it is just getting the ball to Jack Grealish, but for Spurs, a big concern would be kind of over-focusing on one particular player because there's a lot of other players mm-hmm. there that, that could hurt us. And one of those players is Ali Watkins. Now, Spurs looked... Uh, at Ali Watkins in the summer and, and did try to get him in apparently but in the end the, the price tag was actually just a bit too much for us which is concerning that uh, a team and no disrespect to Aston Villa but a team who probably shouldn't have the financial power that Spurs do have could then go and get that deal done but for Ali Watkins it was a brilliant start to the season had a very quiet patch and he, he started going again of course got his first call up uh, for the England squad getting in that squad for him how much do you think that could give him a boost going into the, the final game before the international break? Um. As for, for Ali Watkins, I think it's absolutely look, it's a milestone uh, in his career to be called up to play for your nation. I think very few people w- would ever in their wildest dreams when they start off playing soccer as a kid ever believe that that would be true. Um, I suppose with Ali Watkins coming to Aston Villa, I know that Dean Smith, and I'm sure every manager says this to every player that comes through the door, but he did say, I'll get you in the in, in, in England squad. He said the same thing to Ross Barkley. And, I don't think Ross Barkley's going to be in the in England squad anytime soon, but you know, I suppose he's got a fifty percent hit rate on that from what we know of when he says it to players. But uh, Watkins deserves it. Look, he is. You you guys will see it on on Sunday. Watkins is the most energetic striker you will see. Walker Watkins is like, and I and I hate making this this comparison to to Jamie Vardy because he's a different type of striker to Jamie Vardy. Um, he's not as waspish if if that that's how I always describe Vardy, but he does get around, he does all the work. But Watkins is cute. He's he's got this kind of mentality about him from playing at Exeter. He could have moved on from Exeter to Brentford or to he could have moved on a year earlier. There was a lot of teams in for him. He said no. He wanted to hone his craft at a lower level. He felt that he could be even better, increase his own personal brand and value at that at that uh, level. And he did. And Exeter reaped the rewards of getting more money for him. Same thing with Brentford. We were in for him for 10 million the year previous when we had first come up into the into the uh, Premier League. We ended up having to pay 28 million because what happened was he knew in his heart and soul that he was playing out in the right right hand side. He knew he could move in and play a central striker, and he did after about three games, I think, in the championship season last year, and he banged in over 25 goals. I think it was something like 28 goals or something in the in, in the championship last season. He was only behind Mitrovic, uh, I think, in, go- in the goal-scoring charts in the championship last season, and that obviously has more than doubled, almost trebled his price tag with, with mm. Brentford. So... But the, the guy knows when he's ready to do stuff, and and he has uh, he he's got an old head on young shoulders. Um, you know he's he's the type of striker that he's the type of striker that when he misses a shot, he doesn't put his hand in his head or turn around to the camera and go, mm-hmm. "Oh my god, I was really close." You know the way there is that striker that goes, "Oh, I'm yeah. so happy to nearly score." He looks he looks like he's going to go in and punch the goalkeeper for saving the ball. <laughs> you know he looks yeah. annoyed when he doesn't score and. He's just got that kind of lunch pail, bring your, um, you know, bring your, uh, bring your, bring your hard hat to work kind of mentality about him. It's got him into the England squad. I think that he will see game time over these three weeks, over these three games. Look, San Marino seems made up for him. He could go out and score six goals against San Marino. You know, that's the type of player he is. Um, mm-hmm. He's very streaky. Uh, like for Villa, he's a very streaky player so far. He scored obviously a hat trick against Liverpool. He scored two against Arsenal. He does that, and then he score if he scores. He, in a game, he'll score two or three games in a row and then he might go on a lean period. But that's fine. Every Villa player will look at him and go, he's played every game, every minute this season. And 
we would be lost without him because uh, the amount of work he puts in is absolutely criminal. Like it's mm-hmm. it's unbelievable the amount of work he puts in. And uh, you know, hats off to Johan Lang and to um, Dean Smith and to Craig Shakespeare and to, and to anyone whoever was involved in, in in that. And I think it had a lot of Dean Smith about it because Dean Smith was his manager at Brentford. Um, mm-hmm. He's came in here. He's hit the ground running, and he's been been real breath of fresh air up front for us. Yeah, and I, I fully agree with ninety nine. Well, not ninety nine, but one hundred percent of what you said there. You know, you talk about the the work that he puts in, and the fact that if he misses a chance, it's not just oh, I nearly scored. That's mm-hmm. enough for me. I remember watching Brentford in the in the semi final of the Championship playoffs last season, and I forget who they were playing, but it was in the home leg. He, he got a chance, and like you know, the ball came to me, two defenders on him. He spun away from them and fired the ball just wide, and thinking, oh, that's you know, lucky. He might get another chance. Then the ball is played uh, from the goal kick, almost immediately played long. Uh, the other team gets the ball down the left wing. All of a sudden, Ollie Watkins is the one back there making the tackle to, to put the mm-hmm. ball behind for a corner. He really is that that player who was all over the pitch. And look, that is a, a, a trademark of what Brentford were last season, but he's brought that into what he's doing at Villa. And it is it is refreshing to see, as you said, you know, he wanted to stay at Exeter and, and kind of hone his craft a bit there. And he is he's reaping the, the, the benefits of that, that work that he's put in. And he's definitely a player that I'd be fearful of coming up with uh coming up against with that Spurs defense it's it's weak it's flaky uh, whether it's Oliver Viral, Dyer, Sanchez whoever it is in there Ollie Watkins is definitely a man that that, that could cause us problems and on the point of defense let, let's look at Villa's defense now because again we can talk about the England squad but Ming's getting the call up and Ezri Khan's are missing out perhaps and I, I do feel as though we should have been in that squad but with the two of them in front of your new signing Emmy Martinez just 28 goals conceded in the league this season for Aston Villa it's it's a far cry from the side that nearly got relegated last season how, how important do you think that that trio uh, in front of the goal has been for Villa this season. It's been amazing. The the, the transformation of our back four since Project Restart has been lit, like night and day doesn't even cover it. It's it's like, do you know what it's like before Project Restart? Have you ever seen the film Space Jam? You know, you know in Space Jam where the where the, the basketball players have their power stolen from them by the aliens. That's what was like happened to the likes of Mings to to basically our whole back four. And after Project Restart, it was like they got their powers back and they were able to defend again. That's really the way it was. Um, massive credit to to the likes of Richard uh, to Richard O'Kelly and and to to John Terry. He's got that back four. They've got that back four humming this year. Um, I suppose Dean Smith has a lot to do with it as well, being a former centre half himself. But um, the the two guys that that triangle there is so 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 important. Emmy Martinez, Emmy Martinez is probably and with my, with my claret and uh, my claret and blue glasses off. Um, Emmy Martinez is probably signing of the season. I think. Um, you know he's just been fantastic. He's I think you see level on, on clean sheets with Ederson, and obviously Ederson has had far less shots tro- shots yeah. <laughs> at him this season. He's just been fantastic. Um, Tyrone Ming's obvious leader there has had a couple of lapses of of, um, of concentration, namely against against Brighton. But he's a strong character. He's a leader within that team. He's he's just he's he's uh, he's captain material, you know. And then Ezra Kanza has been standout. There's also somebody else in that back four that is literally it's 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 just been like. If I was if I was to question somebody over doping within the game, it would be Matt Target. He's just been amazing this year. Last year he was sluggish, getting up and getting getting back and forward. A lot of the times you'd see him, uh, you know, carrying himself, trying to get back. This year he's been absolutely unbelievable, up and down that left wing. You know, people talk about Luke Shaw's resurgence. Matt Target has been absolutely fantastic, and his work with 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 Jack Grealish there on that left hand side has been really great. Um, saying that. Saying that, you know, our defense has been very, very, very steady. But I suppose 
we're built up, we're built to defend first and foremost and to, and to nick a goal. And I, t- I know I spoke to you on, 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 on my own podcast. We are Mourinho-esque in our setup. Uh, so don't be afraid to see that on Saturday. If you're looking for free-flowing attacking football from Aston Villa, you won't see it. Contrary to some of our results this season, you, you don't tend to see it. It's very much counter-attacking and defend at all costs. Yeah, and look, that's I suppose a, a big concern for Spurs because we do at times lack that creativity in front of um, in front of staunch defence and losing Hoyman Son as well to injury. More than likely, that's a concern for us. And look, we've spoken about that back four there. We haven't even touched on Matty Cash, who again is a, an absolutely incredible yeah. signing. Um, he's uh, another player that I've watched down in the Championship at Nottingham Forest, who's always had that that kind of vigor and that guile. And you, you know, sometimes you can just tell when a player is going to make it a level. And he's one who certainly met the expectations there of a. Uh, and he is essentially a Premier League right back. That midfield for Aston Villa as well is is quite strong. Look, I'm I'm not sure about the stories with injuries and stuff like that because I know you have struggled a bit. But you have the likes of John McGinn, you've Douglas Louise, you have um that new signing Morgan Sansom. Looking at that Spurs midfield, the way at like it could turn up and it could be the best midfield of the world, or it could turn up and they won't be able to string two passes together. Do you think that Aston Villa midfield on Sunday could take control of this game and and cause Spurs problems, or do you think it will simply be that case, as you said, of just defending um and trying to maybe catch Spurs in the counter? So this, I, I think, one of the biggest misconceptions about the Aston Villa team, uh, and it's something that I wouldn't have thought of thought was the case up until maybe about the turn of the year. Our midfield is only okay. It's only oh, yeah. okay, and, and the reason I say that is because we have uh, a lot of people like Ross Barkley was humming at the start of the season. He's really, really gone back now. John McGinn is John McGinn is fantastic, but the amount of work that he's been asked to do this year is just—it's unbelievable. Now he does have the engine for it, but what we've started to see is our midfield has been rotated an awful lot. Not even so much due to injuries, but due, due to form, due to due to Jack Grealish being out of the team. Essentially, when Grealish is in the team. Our midfield is an awful lot better because everybody is part of the pivot in, in the middle of midfield to try and take the ball off the centre halves or take the ball off the, off Douglas Louise, get it to Jack Grealish, and then we we immediately go into a four two three one when 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 Jack Grealish has the ball. So you won't see McGinn piling forward. There's there's an interesting stat with McGinn. People were criticising him for lack of goals and assists. He's he's had um he's had the same amount of assists as last year, but he's had less goals. But I've I did a bit of a study on him recently, and he's taking shots from nearly two meters further out from the goal this season. So he's not allowed that that uh, that opportunity to bomb forward and be a box to box midfielder mm-hmm. anymore. So he does very much slot in and protect that center circle when um when when we're not when we're actually in possession. And obviously Douglas Louise is very disciplined. He's not allowed to go like there's literally like as if they set up an electric fence about 20 yards outside the goal and they say you're not allowed to go past that you know you have to be back there and and he does that role pretty well um so look our midfield are two different beasts when we've got Jack Grealish in the team it's a lot better because Ross Barkley feels a lot more comfortable the attacking onus isn't on him he can be there as as a point of a point for Grealish because he plays almost up as, as a second striker with Grealish in the team. So Barkley and, and, and Watkins play almost side by side. Or he plays just behind him. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to call it a false nine, three-quarterista, whatever you want to call it, in that role. And it gives Grealish the option for bombing on Matt, Matt Target um, to, to play the overlap there or to come in field with Grealish to take a shot himself or even lay the ball off to Barkley. And that's where Barkley is comfortable. With Grealish not in the team, Barkley's been asked to play in a midfield three. Barkley has been woeful in a midfield three. Um, and he just he just doesn't have the engine to to get back and forward when he receives the ball, but he's back to an opponent. Um, it's 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 
a worrying sight to see how quickly or how slowly he tries to turn with the ball now. I don't know whether it's that he still has that injury or whether he's minding himself, but it's just very ponderous and, and, and slow from him. So he needs to be receiving the ball, facing the goals. And when he does, he does some really good work. But I think teams have copped on to that and they've, they've stayed really close to him. So to really answer your question, I expect our midfield to be very passive. I expect I expect the likes of Heiberg and uh, and and whoever else you have inside there to be able to pass through our midfield very very easily until you get to maybe about twenty yards outside, ten yards, fifteen yards outside our box, and then I expect you'll see the the, the first wave of defence there from McGinn, from uh, Louise, and uh, maybe <coughs> excuse me if Trezeguet is there. Um, on the right-hand side, I'd expect you to see Trezeguet there. But I don't expect our, uh, us to be herring around trying to win the ball high up and have a high press. I expect us to set up our low mid our mid-block, maybe a low block. And that's what we've done all season. You can pass through our midfield, whereas last season we were trying to attack people on the edge of their own box to try and win the ball back. But there's a lot of, lot of grass there to cover, you know, if you don't do that. And... Um, you know, teams exploited us last year. So that's the way I would expect our midfield to play. I would have loved if Aston Villa signed Pierre-Emile Heiberg last season. I just think he's a proper Premier League player. And mm-hmm. uh, like you guys got a steal for him. And I would be pretty worried about him just dictating things slightly, you know, on, on, on Sunday because he's, he's, he's a very, very good player. He is. Look, he's an absolute pleasure to have at the club. And you mentioned Emmy Martinez as, as potentially signing of the summer. Some Spurs mm-hmm. fans would argue it is Hoybier, but the, the faster our, our season kind of falls away, the more you would have to lean to the likes of Martinez, who has actually made an impact um, mm-hmm. at the team he's at. But it's really fascinating to hear you say you're the Villa midfield is, is just OK, because, you know, I, I work with two Villa fans, not a lot of them in Ireland. It's weird. They work together. Mm-hmm. Um, but they you know, kind of saying that it's the Villa midfield that is so strong. And when people do kind of look towards Jack Grealish as that main man, that, you know, it's like, oh, but we also have McGinn and Louise. But the way you kind of described it there, it almost sounds as though uh, Dean Smith has kind of uh, changed up his tactics and his, his entire way of looking at this team in order to, to kind of account for the weaknesses in that midfield. And after credit him, it seems to be working really well. And I do want to touch on Dean Smith uh, in a little bit as well. But I suppose, look, this is a Spurs channel. We kind of do have to ask you the question. Um, 3-0 defeat to Zagreb last night. Mislav Orsic bagging a hat-trick. Uh, 2-1 defeat against Arsenal on Sunday. We're in a weird situation here, I think, when in March, when the season is coming to its, to its end, we actually haven't played each other in the league this season yeah. due to the, the postponement of the earlier game. We have to play again, which is a big concern for us. Um, the last eight times we played teams in the top half of the Premier League, we've lost all eight of those games. It seems to be falling apart for Spurs, and a lot of us are calling for, a lot of fans are calling for Josie out. I'm not quite there yet, but with every game that goes past, uh, you get kind of closer. But from a Villa point of view, are you happy to be getting Spurs in this situation where we are now crashing out of Europe, losing that derby game and season seems to be falling apart? Or do you think Spurs might have that bit between their teeth and maybe this is a game where, where we could try and get some uh, some form back? Um, Coming off a loss to Sheffield United and a draw with Newcastle United, I don't think we're happy really. We can be fully 100% uh, happy to see anybody, you know, at the moment. I think we are... Our... our how will I put it there? Our mentality is very much based at the moment on we will have that boost of Jack Grealish being back. And yes, we can always say that, look, those two really mediocre results against those two teams were that we should have beaten. There's no two ways about it. You should be beating uh, Sheffield United and you should be beating, um, you should be beating uh, Newcastle United. Yeah. Uh, so we can brush that all under the carpet with Jack Grealish coming back. Um, and I think that's a fair thing for our club to be able to do because of the the, the magnitude of the play that he brings that it brings. Um, are we happy to be playing Spurs? 
Look, from the outside looking in, I don't think we'd be happy to be playing a team like Spurs with obviously Harry Kane is there and you've got you've got real game changers, obviously. That's that's even patronizing to say. But I think when you look at it from the outside in and the way that Jose deals with pressure, I think probably Sunday you can look at it two ways. Dean Smith went the diplomatic route and said you'll be a wounded animal after losing to Dynamo Zagreb. I know a lot of fans piled in and said, look, their manager was was managing from a prison cell essentially. Um, you know, yeah, so, <laughs> so there's there are bits and pieces like that, but um, I I say I tend to come down somewhere with it, somewhere in between the middle. I think both teams would snap each other's hands off for a draw and a steadying a steadying game. I think Jose could build could could spin it in the way of we got a draw without without um sign. We got a draw against a good Villa team who've taken the scalps of a lot of teams this season, and I think that 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 would be, you know, that he would be happy with that. It would arrest a slide, say, essentially, that, that, we, that you guys have had recently, and he'd be able to talk to. Well, we've been defrail defensively, and there's been question marks over Dyer and Alderweireld is pushing on, and 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 you know, you'd be able to spin it that way. I think very much so. And for Villa, I think it would be the same. It would be listen, we've taken we've taken points off another team that last year would have rolled over us, and. You know, we've got Jack Grealish back. He's got 90 minutes under the belt. So that's kind of where I come down. My my feeling for the weekend is that it will be, it, it could be a nil-all draw. Um, and I think that both teams would be, would be pretty happy with that. The teams would be, I don't think either fan base would be happy because I think we're at the stage, at the, start, the, the point of the season where Spurs fans need to win because they want to get the best European position as possible. Villa fans are seeing Europe, especially with the Europa Conference in, 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 in the new season as well. We're looking at Europe as a, hey, we might as well take it if we can get it kind of a situation. And um, I think both teams will, both teams sets of fans will want to win, but uh, I'd say if you had Jose and uh, or if you had Jose and and Dean Smith, uh, you know, sat down on a lie detector, I think both of them would take a draw <laughs> at the weekend just to, you know, just to steady the ship in either side and and for the good PR that the draw will bring uh, for both teams. Yeah, look, I I bought your hand off for for a draw right now. Beyond doubt, it's it's just any bit of points on the board is, is a big thing for Spurs. And thank you for that. It, it is always fascinating to to kind of get the insight of, of an opposition fan on, on the situation at Spurs. And I think with, with you did kind of hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, look for anyone who is watching or listening, make sure to tune into Matt Hayes Tottenham blog on Sunday for the watch along for that game. Um, but before we do go, I want to get your opinion on 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 Dean Smith and. I'm a massive fan of Dean Smith. I think what he did, what he did at Brentford was was absolutely sensational, and the the platform and the the kind of fundamentals that he brought into that club is what I think will help Thomas Frank bring them out of the Championship and back into the Premier League. And he's come into Aston Villa last season and had a very very difficult start. You know, of course, he's gone through some some personal things as well, but he's always been kind of that man that you can trust with Aston Villa. I don't think anyone has ever any Villa fan has ever called for him to go even last season when when it, when it was kind of looking at the the potential of relegation and he's come in this season and everything has changed he's as we say kind of uh accounted for the weaknesses in that team kind of transformed the tactics a little bit and it's working perfectly the the scouting that was done in the summer by villa was absolutely sensational those signings have been have been a massive difference but and look this could be me looking at it with a with a, the wrong mindset i suppose I'm, I'm not a villa fan i'm not going to have the the kind of feelings and the the, mm. the wishes for the club the villa fans do have but my concern is that Villa are now at a stage where, and again, we kind of spoke about this in your podcast, where in the past Spurs and Villa have been kind of similar in similar positions. I remember when we got the Champions League, it was back in 2011 or 2012, it was Villa and Man City actually competing for that. And I think did City beat Villa or something towards the end of the season that rules you out. But Villa are in this position now where you do have the potential to come on, to go on and become a European club because it, the, the basis of that club is there. But my concern for Villa is that Dean Smith isn't the man to bring him beyond this level. And it, it may seem harsh to say that given what he has achieved with the club, but do you think 
if Villa do want to get to that next level, make that next step, do you think you might have to cut, cut your ties with, with Dean Smith or do you believe in him to be that man to make you a consistent European team? Oh, this is the million dollar question. This is why some Villa fans wake up for in the morning to have this argument on Twitter. Um, <laughs> oh. this, this, keeps people, nerve. Go, this pe- keeps people going. Um, I'm, I'm firmly Dean Smith. You know, Dean Smith can... Uh, you know, he, he can walk on water, I think, at the moment. Um Villa fan uh, has been all his life. Um he's he's a he's a coach more so than a manager, but you know what he is, he's just a down to earth bloke. Like I said in my own podcast, Dean Smith's the kind of fella that you know, he's making sandwiches for his for for his kids going to school, he'll make two extra ones for himself, he'll wrap them in tinfoil and he'll bring him to Bodymore Heat and that'll be his lunch, you know, and he'll drive up and he's 2006 Renault Clio and you know he'll 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 just close the door behind him might forget to lock it you know <laughs> but it's, you know because he's just ah, the world is great that's the kind of di- guy he's just so down to earth he's such a lovely uh kind of measured and, and um just sees the wood from the trees from a from a, a life a life perspective I think is is very important uh and that's very important I think and a lot of managers forget that and, and look I, I think that's kind of there, there's a big contrast between himself and, and Jose in a lot of aspects with regards to that. Dean Smith doesn't want to be the 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 circus master. He doesn't want to be leading the the um the doesn't want to be the doesn't want the conversation to be about him. Um, fans wanted the conversation to be about him when Bielsa was getting all the hum, the the the, the pats in the back at the start of the season, and Smith was mm-hmm. happy enough. But where I'm getting to here with regards to this is just painting a picture of the man. That can be a positive and a negative, as you mentioned. But I think that Smith is cute enough that he, you, he, through the course of him coming up through the through the years with Walsall and Brentford, he had Richard O'Kelly with him. But what he's done is he's diversified his thought process and knowing that, listen, yeah, I'm not a Pep or a Jose. I can't bring in that player. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring in Craig Shakespeare who does have a lot of clout, you know, and you can say Craig Shakespeare did it with Leicester. We are similar story. You know, you want to come with us, he'll turn you into Riyad Mahrez. He'll turn you into, you know, into N'Golo Kante or whatever. So, you know, he has that. And also the Trump card here as well is John Terry. Don't underestimate, like, for for what, what? you know, you might love him, you might hate him. And I, as a, as a player, I, I, I didn't really like him. But since he's come into Aston Villa, he's done the same as Dean Smith. He's bought into literally, you know, working in the shadows and, and not being out in front. And I thought that was really strange because I thought Villa would push him out at every available opportunity. Um, but they haven't. But he still is that big name. You know, he does have that aura about him. And he's, he's, he's declined interviews at Sheffield Wednesday, Bournemouth and so on. Um, so that's that's part number two. And then part number three as well is Smith knows that probably the signing of players at that level is a small bit beyond him. I think he knows it anyway. So mm-hmm. what he's done is he's reinforced the, um, I suppose, the the, the scouting uh, aspect and the signing and the player, player acquisition part of Aston Villa by bringing in Johan Lang. Johan Lang is a young guy who has a lot of credibility within the European game, coming from uh, coming from the Danish leagues, and he he had like he's he's a good head for scouting, and he's in there as our director of football, and also Mark Harrison for young players. Mark Harrison was with was with West Brom, had their academy absolutely humming. He was seen as probably the best academy manager uh, in in uh, in the top flight at the time, and we poached him from our rivals as well. So, what Smith lacks in his aura. 
uh, you know, with regards to his his brand, I suppose, in and around the continental game, he's brought in mitigating factors that you could paint the story and you could sell the club to a, to a signing. Now we don't know how well that's going to work when we go into the absolute top tier of of footballers. Like if we were to go and try and sign a Christian Eriksen, mm-hmm. would we be able to convince him that Aston Villa are back? I would Aston Villa are on a good footing. I'm. I, I, I can't say because I don't know, but I think that the club have tried to give him as much help as they possibly can. And obviously Christian Perslow being the, being the, um, the overall, uh, not chairman, but can't remember what he, what they call him, the CEO of the, of the club at the moment as well. Obviously he has, uh, has, has, uh, had his hands in a lot of pies with regards to top football in, in both the UK and in Europe as well. So, um, I think he's tried to mitigate it as much as he can. Uh, he's never going to be, that big leading light unless Villa go away and win the Premier League. But he's tried to mitigate it as best he can. But only time will tell if they can get uh, the top strikers, the top midfielders, the top centre-halves you know, in, into the club or whether they're going to be um, you know, kind of treading water with losing players to the bigger clubs over time. I, I, I don't know what the situation is going to be there. That was a long-winded answer. I'm sorry. I <laughs> don't apologize at all. That's a, that's a fantastic answer. And again, the insight is, is incredible. And look, I'm sure Spurs fans will be, will be grateful for that going into this game against Aston Villa. Look, we'll be playing you again soon. I might just replay that yeah. for uh, for the Spurs fans. <laughs> I'd be happy about it. But look, it is there, there's so many questions that will that will go unanswered in, in football until maybe in a way it could be too late to, to make a decision on what, what may happen. Mm. And look, I think Villa are a club that you'll be you'll be tough pushed to, to find someone who doesn't like Aston Villa. Unless of course they're a Birmingham fan. They're like a, a typical English club for me. They're, they're like Everton. They're so it's like Newcastle before Steve Bruce kind of ruined them. They're like a, a proper English club that people will be happy to see succeed. And if they do like when they did go down to the championship, there's an air of all oh, you, you you kind of miss them, but you, you always feel they'll be back. And I hope it works out for Dean Smith at Villa because like I said, he's a manager I respect and, and I really do like. And look, fingers crossed they they can uh, go on and become that that team that the potential is there to do and they've been so close to, to becoming in the recent past as well but look Neil I suppose we, we will leave it there um, thank you again it's been an incredible uh, 30 minute conversation um, on all things Aston Villa hopefully Spurs fans have a better knowledge of the club going into what I said is probably our next defeat uh, in the game on Sunday uh, before we do wrap up do you, do you want to let us know where we can find you on, uh, on socials and stuff like that yeah you can find me on Twitter I do most of my work there on Twitter and at Love McGrath Pod and the only podcast called for the love of Paul McGrath the only Paul McGrath <laughs> Uh, reference podcast out there so you can't really miss me you get me on all podcasts and i've taken the tip to i've started a tiptoe into the waters of youtube um you know i was always a bit conscious the prematurely gray beard the haggard looking leathery face you know i wasn't sure whether youtube was the place for me but uh you never know you know makeup and lighting does does uh does wonders so uh might be doing a small bit more on youtube so you can find me on youtube there as well but uh, uh thanks so much for having me on matt i really appreciate it and um yeah i'm looking forward to sunday now to see what uh, what the future holds for both clubs yeah, absolutely. Look, everyone, I highly recommend you go and check Neil out on all those platforms that he did mention. And again, it's an absolute pleasure you ha- uh, having you on. I really appreciate your time. Uh, look, for those who, look, everyone watching probably knows me at this stage, um, make sure to subscribe to Matt Hayes' blog, uh, follow the podcast on whatever platform you may be watching. I just want to remind you as well that the podcast is now part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, uh, the UK's first dedicated sports podcast network. Find the next show you love or join the team at www.sport-social.co.uk. Uh, make sure to tune in on Sunday for the live watch along for Aston Villa against Tottenham. It's bound to be uh, an incredible show, hopefully following a, a very, very entertaining game. Uh, but for now, thank you very much to everyone who's listened, who's watched. Uh, make sure to like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Uh, and as always, come on, you Spurs.
Podcast Network.